Thank you for listening to the Paradigm Podcast. Paradigm is a young adult ministry that exists to see lives changed by Jesus. For more information about Paradigm, go to ParadigmKC.com. We hope this message is inspiring and life-changing. Thanks for listening. You have a Bible, and I hope that you do. We are going to be in the Gospel of John. If you're new to the Bible, it is in the back half, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you get to Acts, you've gone too far. Um, as you can tell, we're starting a new series tonight. Uh, we are talking about politics, so you will not offend me. If that makes you uncomfortable and you want to leave right now, this is your shot, because it's about to get a little uncomfy. Um, but yeah, whenever we plan out our series, we do this every year. We get together around this time of year. Uh, we plan out uh, what are the things that we want to talk about, and clearly this is an election year. We knew this was coming. Um, and we made a decision, uh, we're going to preach about politics. Uh, knowing this, I knew that tonight I would most likely be one of our speakers. And I knew this because I have a background in politics. Um, I have a political science degree. I was a pre-law major out in Virginia on the East Coast. That's kind of the hub of where all the stuff goes on. And um, I'm going to school out there. And it wasn't just that it was my degree. I also... My senior year, I applied for an internship, and it was a really well-known internship. People, like, sacrificed so much to be able to get this internship. I'm really, like, a baseball player. I'm like, I'm going to apply, just get some experience, you know, just walk in here, kind of rip it. I don't really know how to do an interview. So I said something in this interview, and they were like, all right, let's give this guy a shot. And next thing I know, they gave me this internship as the chief of staff's assistant. I'm like all right, here we go. And I'm sitting in these meetings with people who are making some really, really big decisions. So all this is going on, um, kind of in my professional life. But then on the other hand, um, I'm reading the Bible for the first time in my life. Like I'm dating this girl and she challenges me and she's like, hey, I've made this decision. Why don't you look into what the Bible has to say about who Jesus is? And I'm processing this, and I end up coming to Christ in the middle of this internship. And everything started to change. Like, when I say that I started following Jesus, I mean I put my trust and faith that Jesus is God, and He rose from the dead, um, and it changed everything. And I found this to be true, that Jesus, He's either everything or He's nothing. And I share that tonight because I hope Jesus does this for us as well. He wants to speak in to what's going on in the world of politics. And I think some of us, uh, we have this version of God who we think just aligns with everything that we believe about politics. And I think I've learned that when you follow Jesus, he changes everything. Every four years, this election comes around and we're like surprised, like, man, I didn't realize there was this much hate in the world. or I didn't realize all this was going on. And all it does is just reveal the sin issues of the world. And we don't know what to believe half the time, right? Like we turn on the news and we're like, do I even believe this? I mean, I'm looking at my phone and I'm like, is this some weird algorithm? They know they're trying to get my vote. So we're like, what do, what do I even believe, right? We want to know who do we listen to? What do we turn to? And, and this is why we're preaching about this, because if they don't, we don't know where to trust, why would we not speak about this? Because if I mean, we might as well throw on conservative news here and liberal news here, and you just pick which one, but I don't think that's what God desires, because God's Word speaks into politics. 
He wasn't silent on politics when he walked this earth. And if our faith doesn't inform our politics, then we might as well just turn on the news and go home. I just want to acknowledge a few things that have already happened in the room. Um, We need to just set a few ground rules, the nature of this topic. Um, Some of you guys are already trying to figure out uh, who I'm voting for, who I worked for. Um, So let me be clear. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I'm going to tell you how Jesus views politics. And before we get going, I have two favors for you. I need need you to, to work with me here. Number one is, can you consider a world where we can disagree but love unconditionally. Let me say it again. Can you consider with me a world where we can disagree but love unconditionally? If you don't know this by now, that's not the world we're living in. We're not able to debate anymore. We can't disagree and love one another. You have to pick a side next week. The world is asking you to step into a poll and pick a side. But tonight I'm asking you to disagree but love unconditionally. The second thing I'm asking tonight is, would you be open to what God's Word has to say? I say that because you may be wrong. I know this to be true because I was wrong. Maybe you're in here and you're like, holy cow, like, I'm not signing up for all this, and I'm just checking this out. I got invited to this church thing on a Tuesday. This is kind of crazy. What's up with all these people? I would say, hey, you're in a great spot to hear God's heart for the world. Like, just lean in and listen to what God has to say about how we should view politics. We're going to be in John chapter 17 tonight. Um, We'll be jumping around a little bit, uh, but we'll start in John chapter 17. I want to talk about three things, though, specifically that are crucial. And the title of this message is Before You Vote. So Before You Vote is the title of this message. We pick up where Jesus, he's having his last dinner before he goes to the cross. In John 17, he's sitting around with his 12 disciples Uh, They're sitting there, and if you're new to church or you're not familiar with church, uh, there's this thing called a prayer request. I wasn't familiar with it, so it it sounds really self-explanatory. Basically, people sit around, and they'll raise their hand and be like, yeah, this is what's going on. And sometimes you'll be with people for like an hour, you ask that question, and then you're like, holy cow, there's some crazy stuff going on. What we're about to look at in the Bible is Jesus' prayer request before he goes to the cross. What was on Jesus' heart? before he went to the cross. That's what you're about to see. Jesus' prayer request before he goes to the cross. John 17, verse 20. This is what he says. I do not pray for these alone. So these, he's talking about uh, his disciples, the 12 guys that he's with. He goes on, he says, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So he's saying, hey, I don't just pray for you 12, I'm praying for anyone who believes in me. So if you're in these seats and you believe in Jesus Christ, he's praying for you. Look what he's praying. That they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, and that they may be one just as we are one, I in them, and you in me. That they may be made perfect in one. He's saying the same thing over and over. He's fighting for this idea of unity. That the world may know that you've sent me and have loved me and have loved them as you have loved me. Point number one is oneness. It's not debatable right now. <laughs> like when you read that passage, it's not debatable what Jesus wanted for us. He wanted us to be united. 
Because Jesus, he's saying it repeatedly. This is his heart, that all believers would be one. Notice here, he doesn't say sameness. He doesn't say we all have to be exactly the same. I mean, he's looking at guys like Peter. If you don't know the Bible, Peter, he's basically uh, just this fisherman, kind of a redneck, just to be honest. I think I just kind of think of him as like, just kind of country boy. Like he just, he's fired up about Jesus. You know, he feels like he's got to protect him everywhere he goes. Then on the other hand, you have Matthew. He's like this tax collector. And if you know anything about a tax collector, think about like a crooked cop. Think about a cop who's like in the mafia or something just crazy. Like people did not like Matthew because he was a tax collector. And he's looking at him and he's saying, hey, all that other stuff, it doesn't matter. You need to be one. I'm not asking you to be the same. I'm asking you to be united. This is a picture right here. Um, and this makes so much sense, right? This is my team from college. We played together. Man, we, so many memories, right? Like, and every year we'd come together, and this makes sense. Like, we'd come together, and look at this. I mean, these two goofballs on the bottom front. I don't know if you can tell they're making a face. They thought that was hilarious. Just goofballs. I mean, you have guys from all over the country coming together around this common goal. Third row, towards the middle, that's my buddy Logan. Logan and I, Logan's from inner city D.C. I'm from Independence, Missouri. We have a few things that are not the same, just right there. But here's the thing. We would come together with a common mission, a common goal every year. We wanted to win some ball games. And you're like, yeah, well, that makes sense. That's crazy to me that in baseball it makes sense, but in the church, this is what we say, it's complicated. That it's just too complicated. There's too many issues. We can't be united. Jesus knew he was talking to these first followers. If they could get on the same page, they would change the world. When they left that room, if they could get on the same page, be united, they could change the world. This is actually, if you read that passage again, you'll see that Jesus is saying this is actually how you're going to get the attention of the world. That because we're united, the world will look at the church, the believers, Christians, and they'll say there's something different there. If you don't think the world needs us now, I don't know what world you're living in. I think the most convicting thing about this passage is that we just don't pray this prayer. Like, when is the last time we prayed for unity? When's the last time we prayed for unity? We spend more time debating than we do praying for unity. And the scary thing about today is, like, we have a church on every corner. So you could have a guy stand up here, and he can spin the Word of God into whatever he wants. And I could stand up here, and I could convince you tonight that you need to vote for this guy if you're a Christian. And I could spin it the other way, and I could tell you, you have to vote for this guy, you're not a Christian. Because nothing divides like politics, because nothing divides like fear. Jesus wouldn't demand tonight that I'd come up here and tell you who to vote for. He'd demand unity. I remember when I was working in politics, I was literally told, hey, when you get on the elevator with someone of the opposite party, you don't talk to them, you don't look, you don't look at them. Here I am, intern, bottom of the barrel guy, and they're like, hey, you don't want to talk with them, you don't want to deal with them, and what they're doing, they're starting to instill fear in me. And you can raise a lot of money peddling fear. Let me let you in on something. 
That's what the presidential elections are being, or that's what the presidential elections being ran on. Both campaigns right now. It isn't about policy right now. It's about if he gets elected, this is what's going to happen. And if he gets elected, this is what's going to happen. So you should vote for me. And in America, what we really fear, what do we really fear? It's loss. We're scared we're going to lose out on an opportunity. We're scared we're going to lose something in freedom. We're going to lose our progress. We're going to lose children. We can't take our faith out of politics. It informs politics. In Genesis 1.26, we see that God, He gives dominion to human beings over all the earth. And then in Genesis 9, everything starts to fall apart because Adam and Eve, they choose sin. And in Genesis 9, right before this, He floods the earth. And then in Genesis 9, we see the institution of government introduced. Why am I sharing this? Because we should vote. If you are 18 years old, and everybody in here is 18 years old, you should vote. You should be involved. Now, who you go vote for, that's debatable, but this isn't debatable. What Jesus is saying is that we should be united. But whatever you do or whatever you vote for, do not let it divide us. That's what Jesus is praying for. Imagine a world that made this a priority. See, next week, next Tuesday, your candidate and who you vote for, guys, they will win on how you vote. But our community, the world, will win on how we respond and how we act. Because one of the most confusing things is whenever a Christian goes home, they leave a place like this, they go home and they post things on social media that are hateful. It is destructive, it's confusing, and there's people that don't know Christ, and it's just like, well, why would I want to be a part of that? It's confusing, and we have to stop doing it. Our community, the people around you, will win by how we respond. We can't let anything divide us, and we cannot let anyone divide us. We have to take ownership, and it starts with us, every one of us. And the greatest threat to our unity is you. Wherever you're at in your chair, you have to own this. We have to fight for unity. If there's ever been a time that our world needs the church, the big C church, everyone who calls themselves a believer, it's right now. Like even atheists, they would agree that Christians have shaped Western civilization. The reason why you're able to go vote next Tuesday is because of Christianity. That all men were created equal, that comes from the Bible. And we have this short-term memory where we just forget these things. Like, we think that for the entirety of even our country, which hasn't been that long, that it's always been Democrat versus Republican. Those have only been around for about 150 years, and we're short-sighted. So here's my question. Why would we be divided by political parties that are temporary? Temporary. Why would we allow ourselves to be divided by lesser kings? Here's my question. Next Tuesday, if somebody goes to vote for an opposite party, are you going to divide over that? Jesus prays that you wouldn't. Jesus, he's praying that we'd be united. So you might be hearing me say this and you're like, all right, well, what does that even mean? All right, what are you saying there, Luke? How do we fight for this? Like, 
Does he give any more instruction on how do we fight for unity? It almost seems impossible in the world that we live in. He'd say the thing he can give, or the thing that we can do, it should mark us. It should, he actually demonstrated this for us perfectly. Like Paul would say this is the thing that's greater than any other thing that you can possess. The thing we can do for unity, men, don't flinch when I say it, it's love. Men, we get a little uncomfortable, and I really think it's because we're insecure, but the thing that you can do to fight for unity is to love, and Jesus says it. In Matthew 22, verse 37, Pharisees are questioning him. They're saying, hey, just, ah, what's the most important thing? Look what he says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So Jesus, he just uh, responds to this Pharisee by saying, hey, love your neighbor and love God. So point number two is to love your neighbor. He simplified everything into this, love. Be careful as you stand, if you hear me say this, like, don't misunderstand me. We should debate. Like, we should be passionate about things that are going on. You can disagree, but you got to love. We have to put our faith before our politics. And it starts with this, loving your neighbor. Like no one's on their deathbed. Like nobody is on their deathbed saying, hey, will you read me parts of the Constitution? That's silly, right? That's silly, right? Like we need love. We need somebody to serve us. Never, never heard of that. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul, he says, this is the chapter on love. Like, this is Paul, he's trying to explain uh, to the Corinthians, like, what is love? Because there's this debate in this culture of what is love. I love what it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 5. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. And why, why am I reading this verse? Because some of us need to learn how to debate but still love others. Like some of you, whenever you see this word debatable back here, like you just need to stop calling this series that and just call it discussion because you hear debate and you're like, all right, let's square up. Like, no, that is not godly. You can debate, disagree, and still love someone. Like what if the most loving thing you can do this week is lose a debate for the sake of the gospel? Like you could lose a debate and share the gospel at the same time. That could be the most loving thing you could do in the next seven days. Why, why is this? How can you lose a debate and still win? Because your opinion, it doesn't have a heartbeat. The person that you're hating because they're not agreeing with you has a heartbeat. Jesus died for that person. But you hate them in your heart because of your opinion. And that's sinful. We have to be careful that we don't take the Bible and we twist it to get it to align with our political views. Like we can run around and we can say, hey, Jesus, he was a healthcare dispensing machine, right? Like he would just heal people and raise people from the dead and heal the blind. And so, hey, he's got to be a Democrat, right? Free health care for everybody. And we act like this is what Jesus taught, all while being disobedient to the greatest commandment, which is love. Or we see things like Jesus, he's for investment, like top-down economics, right? You ever read the parable of talents? 
He's a Republican. Like, no. And what we'll do, though, we'll demonize people who don't agree with our view on health care or investment or economics because we think that that's what Jesus taught, all while being disobedient to something that's very, very clear. Love your neighbor. Sacrifice for your neighbor. So, Luke, are you asking yourself, like, are you asking yourself right now, Luke, are you telling me we're not supposed to have an opinion? No. You're supposed to have an opinion. Like, you can't just be quiet. And I think this is why Christians, um, we've, we've failed in this area. Because people have just said, hey, just let's step out of that area and we're not going to do those things. And let's just stay in here, close the doors, let's all hide in here and just read our Bibles. Like, no, that's not. That's, God has called some of us in this room to get involved to the point that you become a politician. So we should be stepping into these areas. We should have an opinion. And we should debate these things. As Christians, we should seek to steward what God has given us. He's entrusted us with the earth, but we've stepped out of these areas. I think about it like the other day. Uh, I'm at the dentist, uh, which is a leap of faith. Uh, I hate the dentist. Uh, I go to the dentist, and it's been like four years. And I walk in there. And they're like, you know it's bad when you got like 15 forms. You're not a regular at all. So I'm in there filling out the forms and sit down. And uh, I got some pain in my mouth, but I've been ignoring it for a while. I sit down. They start working on me. And then she pulls out the x-rays, and she's like, so you have a few cavities. And I was like, yeah, I figured. Just a few, huh? She's like, you have nine. You have nine cavities. I'm like, I don't know if you've ever felt like a six-year-old in your life, but I just felt like a little kid. And it's a silly story, but I share that just because as Christians, though, what we've done, we've ignored areas of our world, like we've ignored these issues, and we've stepped out of them, and we haven't handled them the right way. Like me brushing my teeth, just acting like that pain isn't there, isn't the right way to respond. And one of the worst things we can do is, is just completely step out of what's going on in politics. And maybe you loving your neighbor is you just not posting on social media for the next seven days. Let me let you in on something. The world doesn't need another opinion on social media right now. It needs somebody to have a conversation face-to-face and listening and hearing what somebody else has to say. Let me ask you something. The last conversations that you've had, are they loving? Were they patient? Were they kind? Were you boastful? Was it envious? Because we're never going to be one if we don't love like this. Jesus, like I said, he's everything or he's nothing. He didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. And if it's best for our neighbor and it glorifies God, we should do it, period. If you look at the themes of the Gospels, this is almost one of the main themes you could say. You could argue that the main theme of the Gospel is that Jesus is for people. So to get this right, in order to apply this to our lives, we have to do more than just read the Bible and know the Bible. We have to apply what Jesus did. Jesus, he was people first, politics second. In this text, like I said, the Pharisees, the religious elite, what they're trying to do, they're trying to put politics first, their agenda first, and people second. And I've been in meetings. I've been in meetings in my, in my internship where I worked. 
where people made decisions off of pieces of paper that were not best for people because it advanced the agenda. And this is what separates the Christian, is that our agenda wouldn't go before people. And we put other people first. I love what our lead pastor said a couple weeks ago. Pastor Phil, he said, uh, I saw a Jesus 2020 sign. I saw it. And he was exactly right. Jesus would not get elected. He wouldn't win the election. And we think that he just aligns with what we believe. And he doesn't align with what we believe. And this is why the Pharisees hated Jesus, though. Because he wouldn't align with their agenda. And God didn't create people for government. God created government for people. And if it's best for our neighbor and it glorifies God, we should do it. This worldview, this mindset, it's what changed the world. It, It is what has caused Christianity to move forward and push back the darkness. There's story after story of how this has impacted generations and generations and there's stories of people who would walk into uh, parts dark parts of the world missionaries specifically one in the bible he wrote two-thirds of the new testament his name's paul his life was so changed by jesus that god had to rename homie like his life was so changed god was like you can't even go by that name anymore we're going to call you paul saul's dead that's exactly what happened and in philippians 3 7 and 8 and before you read this This isn't just in the Bible. Like, this is in the Bible for a reason because it's biblical Christianity. Like, sometimes we see guys like this in the Bible and we just think, ah, that's just like special guys. So what do I need to get from this? What's my nugget? No, this is Christianity. Philippians 3, 7 says this, But what things were gained to me, these I've counted loss for Christ. He just said, everything that I knew before Christ is loss. Verse 8 says, Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, from whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. He's saying everything that I did, apart from Christ, doesn't matter. Point number three is that politics is not the answer. This is Paul. Okay? He's, he calls himself the Hebrew of Hebrews. He is in line to be the high priest. Like he, he has influence, he has rank, he has power, and he's saying none of that matters. None of it even compares to just knowing Jesus. So to, to pick back up in my story, I come to Christ in the middle of this internship. And like I said, I'm playing baseball and doing this job, and I'm grinding. I'm not going to lie. It was a lot. But because what I thought was like, if I just keep working hard and I keep, just keep showing up to these meetings and we keep trying to push this agenda, what will happen is we can fix things. Like if we tweak this policy, like I really think that we could fix this part of the country. And what I found is that man's politics aren't the answer. The whole reason the world is broken is because man chose their own government, not God's. Adam and Eve, they wanted to put their trust in themselves and not God. 
Even if there was perfect laws, think about this. Even if there was perfect laws, if God delivered us a law right now that was perfect, and he did in the Old Testament, that's what it is. He delivers a law. There would still be brokenness. Why? Why? Because there's sin in the world. Government is ran by men that can't get it right. They, and what happened is I'm in this internship, and uh, you know I'm, ex- I'm the chief of staff's assistant, and they start to bring me into these meetings that are like really weird. Like they'd be like, Luke, hop in here real quick, and they would ask me really hard questions like about my past, and what I found now, or later, I found out that they were vetting me for a position. In this position, I would have been the campaign manager over a, a region of the country. So really not a job that they offer 23-year-olds. It's like a dream job, honestly, for, for people that were my age and my degree and just what I had. They were lining me up like, this is, I'm going to work in D.C. I'm going to bring my girlfriend out here. We're going to get married out here. This is what's going to happen. But go back. And I, I had accepted Christ about five months ago. And, and what had happened, he changes everything. Like, my girlfriend, she's like, hey, why don't you pray about that decision before you just accept the job? I'm like, why do we need to pray about this? Like, this is a no-brainer. Like, this is the dream job. And I don't, if you've had this happen before, you know what I'm talking about, but there was an overwhelming sense of God just telling me no. And it made no sense at the time. He just told me no. Head guy calls me. He's like, hey, so we're thinking about having you in uh, next Monday. I'm like, hey, hold on, hold on. Um, so I don't think I'm going to take the job. And he's like, what do you mean you're not going to take the job? And I'm like, I don't really even know why I'm not going to take the job right now. Like, I'm still processing this. And he was pressing me, you know, like, why aren't you going to take the job? Why aren't you going to take the job? And I just told him, man, I, I'm reading this book. You know, in my personal life, I'm reading this book. And I found that the answer is not in politics. The answer is in Christ. And and don't mishear me tonight. We need Christians in political office. We need you to step up and do those things. For me, I was not there. Spiritually, I was an infant. But some of you may be called. But I think there's more of us in here tonight that are rubbed the, the wrong way by my message that was about love, about unity in Christ. And I think that's who I'm preaching to tonight. And you may be listening to me like, Luke, are you even going to vote next week? I'm going to vote. I'm going to cast a vote. But when I say Jesus changed everything, I mean everything. There's three things I want you to walk out of here tonight. Three things, real practical. Number one, you need to be informed. Do you guys even know what's on that ballot? There's more than a presidential election that you're going to vote for. You've got to fill it all out. And I could, I could throw a, a website on here, and you could probably read into who I'm trying to get you to vote for. We all got Google. Go home and Google the issues. Do you know the issues on the Democratic side versus the Republican? Do you know where God's Word lines up with those? Can you show me in Scripture where God's Word lines up with that? That's my challenge that you would go home tonight and you would take an honest look at the scriptures 
and you would say, this is where God's word aligns with this party and that party, and this is how I'm going to vote. And I don't think we've done that yet. I think that we've heard guys stand on a stage where we've just assumed that this is the party. You've got to look into it for yourself. The next thing is you need to be involved. There's this guy named C.S. Lewis. If you haven't read anything by him, he, you're going to hear him all the time if you come here long enough. And, and this is a quote by him. I think it's, it's so impactful. We need to be involved. But this is what it says. If you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they've become so ineffective in this. And what C.S. Lewis is saying is that we're so ready to just die, we want to hide in here and never get involved, and then we get mad when the world becomes worldly. That's what's going to happen when we step out of those areas. Some of you need to get involved. We need to step in instead of stepping out. The world needs us, and we have the answer. The last thing I'd give you, I would say to be informed, to be involved, And lastly, and this is the most important thing, you need to trust Christ. Proverbs 21.1, this is, it says, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. So whoever gets elected, it says that that his heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wills. So God, he's in control. And some of us, we can't trust Christ. We are so caught up and what's going on right now, that we have no hope because we don't know Christ. And the issue at hand and the reason why it's not the answer is because sin. The answers in Christ, if politics isn't the answer, if the perfect legislation wouldn't fix this world, what will? This is why Jesus had to come. Like, there is a clear separation. In 2020, if you don't see that right now, I don't know when you will. Jesus, he had to come 2,000 years ago. His life was so impactful, it reset the calendar. Every atheist writes 2020 on a check. Why? That's when Jesus came and he died on a cross. He lived a perfect life, died on a cross. He was the perfect sacrifice. He was buried. Three days later, he rose from the grave. There's 39 presidents right now that are buried The king that I know, he rose from the grave, and his name's Jesus. There's no other answer for the issues of this world. And the king, he will come back. And tonight I could tell you who to vote for, but I'd be ripping you off. And I'd hate to stand up here and point you to anything less than the perfect king. His name's Jesus, and if you don't know him, and if your hope's not in him, and if you're caught up in the election, let me tell you that there's hope. I've read the end of the book. He's coming back. There's hope. Let me pray that your hope would be in Christ. Father, thank you for your word. God, there's a lot of things going on right now in our world that they're difficult to know how to navigate. I pray that your word would continue to be sufficient and that it would guide us. I pray that you would be with my friends. God, I pray that anyone who doesn't know you, that doesn't know 
the God who's coming back to rule and to reign, that you're perfect, that they would come into a right relationship with you tonight. They would stop playing games and they would go all in with you. Father, I pray that you would move in this moment. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.